I, I don't know what was going wrong there. But, uh, yeah, I had two separate Zoom rooms, one for the coffee chat that I attached to the Calendly, one for my personal meeting room. I guess it was just a mix-up between the both of them. I apologize for that. But thank you so nah, much for making the time for this. I really appreciate it. I can't emphasize how much I appreciate this, especially since this will greatly help me in many ways. Yeah. But thank you so no much. Problem. So, yeah, I just wanted to thank you for setting aside the time uh, for this little conversation that we can have. And yeah. I guess we can start, I think, just like as a way to like lighten the mood just a little bit. I want to ask you, like, what have you done over, like, this Thanksgiving or, like, what have you done over the past week? Because Thanksgiving yeah. was a time that, like, personally, I went home to family from my university. I got to spend a lot of time with my brother and my cousins, my, uh, What's father. for you? Uh, my home is New Jersey. Yeah. Yeah, the and central. you're living in California, right? Currently, I'm at American University, which is in D.C., Right next to Georgetown. Yeah. Yeah. Georgetown from where my university has its headquarters, <laughs> mm -hmm. but where I, I rarely go. Mm -hmm. But, yeah. That's what I did, at least over the Thanksgiving. So how about you? Yeah. Great. I, uh, um, well, uh, I, was in, I was in Qatar at, you know, Georgetown's campus in Qatar on Thanksgiving Day. Um, so I went out with friends. We had a traditional Thanksgiving meal, or at least we had this, uh, we had this restaurant's best attempt to make us a traditional Thanksgiving meal. It was all right. It was definitely a good time to be hanging out with my friends. Called my family. Um, and uh, then uh, I had my last in-person class of the semester on Monday, took a flight back, so I'm in New Orleans now. It's great to be in New Orleans. It's it's uh, sunny and not too cold here, um, and it's be great to be back with my wife. I'm going to see some friends of mine tonight, um, so, uh, so I'm feeling pretty good. Got loads and loads of annoying little crap work to do, but... Uh, um, but yeah, it always seems to be like that. So uh, yeah, maybe the conversation give a little relief here. So uh, um, so anyway, what's up mm -hmm. with you? What what was it? I can what what is it uh, you're working on UBI that needs help? Uh, currently, what I'm doing is I have a paper that I'm publishing about UBI and the practicality of implementing it and the benefits that comes with UBI. Mm -hmm. So is a it paper? No, the benefits. No, no, you said, uh, you have, uh, it sounded like you said I have a beeper. Oh, did you say paper? Yeah, paper. Or, That's what I meant. Oh, sorry. sorry. I apologize. Beeper up there. Yeah. Uh, I thought maybe it was like a new internet thing. Like you mm -hmm. press here and it beeps and then you get this answer and over there and then there's another beep so you press there. I don't know. Yeah. Anyway, okay, so you're working on a paper uh, uh, related to UBI. What's it about more specifically than UBI? Uh, the practicality of implementing universal basic income and the mm -hmm. problems that are going to be like solved by it or not even solved but like the mm -hmm. problems it would solve mm -hmm. and is it okay if you give like your credentials a little bit just like just so I can like relate this to my paper because I'm going to be using you as a source okay yeah sure my name's uh, Carl Weiderquist I'm 
a professor at Georgetown University of Qatar. Um, I, um, I have a PhD in economics from the City University of New York, 1996, and a PhD in political theory from Oxford University, 2006. And I've been writing and publishing on basic income since the 20th century. Yes, I've seen many of your works, especially most notably your interview that you had with, I'm blanking on the name right now, but um, I think it's Oren Cass. Oh, the, 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 uh, the debate. That yes, I the debate. Cass. The okay. debate you had with Oren Cass. That was like how I mm -hmm. first viewed you, and then I started looking over your material, which has helped me significantly, and having this interview with you would just like clarify some points that would mm -hmm. really help me with my paper. So I think like the first thing that I would ask is why do you, like not why, but what is the need for universal basic income and what problems do you think it's solving if it were to be implemented? Yeah, well, um, it, it, it solves, it solves you know, several problems simultaneously or at least mm -hmm. makes it much easier to solve. Um, the, uh, the basic reason that I think it underlies everything I say about why we need basic income is that I think it's, it's wrong to come between anyone and the resources they need to survive. And that is exactly what we do. We say, we, we take this earth that was there before any of us and we say, these people own it and the mass of humanity doesn't. The only way the mass of humanity gets to access the resources of the earth is to get the resource owners to part with some of it voluntarily, which could mean begging, could mean marrying somebody from the ownership group. Very often it means working for the ownership group. So this group here has to be servants to that group there. Um, and uh, we're using uh, the threat of a total economic deprivation where, where you don't have, you can't provide your own food, you can't provide your own housing, you can't provide um, any of you, the necessities the necessities of life unless you are willing to take orders from the people who work in this group. So, um, so UBI, UBI um, solves the problem of economic deprivation and destitution and solves the problem that the people in this group are, before, are being forced to work for the people in that group. Um, and, uh, and we're using this threat of poverty to get the people in this group to work for the people in that group at lower wages than they might otherwise do it if they had, uh, if they actually had the uh, power to refuse um, jobs that were that had bad working conditions and had uh, insufficient wages. And I definitely remember this from the interview. You said it's like taking the air from someone and saying you have to work for the air, otherwise you wouldn't be able to breathe. It's like taking a necessity, mm -hmm. just like housing, like you said, just like other stuff, and taking it from them unless they work for you or provide yeah. other services, which I definitely agree with. That's one of the mm -hmm. one of the better, like a really good point that you could bring up for UBI. But another question that I would have regarding this is what do you think the social welfare programs are doing that UBI is doing better? Because I know that one of the points that you brought up was when you get into social welfare programs, it doesn't encourage you to start working, but because of how it gives you more money 
for being, I would say, unemployed, while UBI would mm-hmm. provide you that benefit of giving you that money while encouraging you to work. Is that correct? Well, um, the funny thing about social, uh, there's a lot of different social welfare programs out there, and they all work a little bit differently. Uh, but a, a lot of the problem you're talking about is the problem of the poverty trap, which is that a lot of social welfare programs uh, are designed that, well, if you're not working, first of all, you've got to prove that it's for some good reason, and then it subjects you to being judged. Uh, you can't just say, these jobs all suck, I don't like them, I'm not going to work. That's not really legal in this country. It's legal if you want to be homeless and eat out of somebody else's garbage. But uh, it's not effectively legal where you can actually do it and thrive and survive. Um, and so what they try to do is they say, well, what, what these programs do is they say, well, we're going to judge you. We're going to judge you and decide whether your reason for, for being unable to work, for not having a job or not making enough money is good enough. Um, they judge you. And then they say, okay, because we've judged you and you're eligible for this thing, then you're going to get a certain amount of money. But then if you were, if usually for most of these jobs, with unemployment insurance or whether it's disability or whether it's what's left of, uh, of, uh, of TANF, uh, which has been, which used to be aid to families with dependent children has really been gutted so much that doesn't, uh, that it doesn't provide very much. But if you're eligible for one of these things, they're saying, well, we've decided that you can't work. Um, and then if you get a job very often, then you've got to lose all this eligibility for this. And that puts people at a risk that they don't, if, if they're on these programs, um, if they're on these programs, they don't want to take a job because it's risking that they may not ever be able to get on these programs again. Um, whereas if you have UBI and we just don't judge people, we just simply help them, if they get a job, there's no reason not to take them. Say if they get a job, uh, and they end up becoming a net taxpayer, and then they decide, "Wow, this job sucks. I gotta go. I gotta quit." They don't have to be afraid to do that. Um, so actually, these programs, in that sense, have a better work incentive than these than the conditional programs we have. Even though uh, the the reason for these putting all these conditions on them is try to get people to work, but also those programs. The biggest problem with them, I don't think, is this negative work incentive they give people for eligible who are eligible for them i think the biggest problem is they leave out most of us most of us know that we aren't eligible for these programs and so we have to keep working and keep working or we're going to be homeless uh, or we're going to be both working and in, in deep poverty those are the biggest problems with the existing system mm-hmm. and that's definitely one really good point to bring up but another thing you could say is, especially with COVID-19 and the technology age that has arisen, like as Andrew Yang would say, automation's taking hundreds of jobs and COVID took like thousands of jobs as well. So what do you think like UBI would do to like basically help those people that have been in unemployment because of those reasons? All right, let me, uh, mm-hmm. I've actually recently written a chapter of my upcoming book about automation. Uh, it's about, I'd say, 2,000 words. Uh, so I will, uh, instead of answering that question out loud, mm-hmm. I'm just going to save this chapter as a separate, separate file, and uh, and I'll, I'll 
attach it here so you can you can have a direct look at it. Let me see. Um, let's see. Um, okay, and I will then. This will just take a minute. Mm -hmm. No problem. Okay, that's well. It's actually three thousand three hundred and seventy-nine words. But anyway, um, Okay, uh, let me save this. Crap. Did it again. All right. Okay. Sorry. Um, mm -hmm. Have uh, okay. I have saved that. Now let me mm -hmm. upload this as an attachment in the chat, if that is possible. Yes, it is. Um, your computer file cabinet. All right, it mm -hmm. is attaching right now. So for automation, you can read that paper and it'll give you a, a pretty different perspective on it. Mm -hmm. My perspective on automation is pretty different than other people you might have read like um, Andrew Yang and Scott Santons. Have you been reading any of Scott Santons' stuff? I think so. I think I've read one of his if I have mm -hmm. it saved in one of my times. Yeah. He's somebody mm -hmm. to look into. He's a good guy. Um, he's a good guy. Um, He's a friend of mine. He also lives here in New Orleans. So he was, mm -hmm. Although um, he's he's been looking forward to moving to Washington D.C. Uh, because of, uh, but it's been kind of delayed because of COVID. But he he's going to move to Washington D.C. and do some more political work on basic income. So if you're mm -hmm. in D.C., he's somebody you uh, you really would probably want to get to know if you want to get into the basic income movement. What is your paper for, by the way? It is just like a writing paper that's supposed to be a research, like a research paper for my writing class. But I'm also very interested in UBI and want to go above and beyond. So, which is why I'm having this interview. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. And I'm and I've been very interested in this, especially because of how 
I think UBI is a very interesting topic. So I just wanted mm -hmm. to learn more about it. Mm -hmm. Cool. So thank you so much for <laughs> this document. It's definitely going to help me a lot. But back to the other question. Wait. Sorry. I guess we'll go into the next one, not about automation, but about other stuff. What do you think about how the COVID relief bill has been something that's like similar to UBI, where it's giving a relief fund to those that need it? Um, um, what do I think about, sorry, sorry, can you repeat the question? It's about the COVID relief bill that was similar mm -hmm. to what UBI is supposed to be, a general fund mm -hmm. to others, especially those that need it. What do you think about that and the effects that that has had on the people that have received the fund? Yeah, well, I think it is, um, I think it's definitely a step in the right direction and it helps to demonstrate why moving towards basic income is, it is something that, that works and is really good for people. However, the differences between it and a basic income are really important. That it did not include everyone. Um, and it left out the it left out the poorest people, people who did not pay any taxes and did not work in the previous year. So homeless people did not get this money. Uh, the people who really need it more than anyone else. Um, didn't get it. That was that was a, a really unfortunate. And there's then this all this administrative cost that they added by creating this eligibility for deciding who they who's going to be left out. They have that extra administrative burden that they could have just gotten rid of if they've absolutely giving it given it to everybody. That's why the emergency child tax credit was better than than some of the adult relief because that went to every child. Mm -hmm. uh, even homeless children got that, and and that's much more important. So it was helping people right mm -hmm. down to the very bottom. That was much more like a temporary basic income for children. Um, I think there's a good chance that we're going to make that refundable child tax credit permanent, and that would be fantastic. And, and that would be that would be the, that would be a major step towards basic income. If we have a mm -hmm. refundable child's tax credit for uh, if we have a refundable child tax credit, then we essentially have a basic income for children. Mm -hmm. And definitely, like with what you've said, there are different steps that we're taking towards making universal basic income like something that is real. And one thing that I've been doing is studying a bunch of case studies from different countries, including the U.S., Kenya, and Canada, most notably Canada being in Montenobo, or... Manitoba. Yeah, Manitoba. Sorry, I pronounced that completely incorrectly. But have you heard about that case and That's, what? Yeah, it sounds like a dyslexic area, actually. You mixed up the syllables. I make yeah. mistakes like that all the mm -hmm. time because I have dyslexia. I mm -hmm. don't know if, if, if you... Uh, you've ever suspected you might have it but that's the you know making that error once mm -hmm. is not it doesn't signal you have dyslexia but i make errors like that all the to all the time just taking syllables and mixing mm -hmm. them around anyway um yeah about manitoba because in manitoba it was seen that there's an 8.5 percent reduction in hospital visits less work injuries and a higher base of mental health and all these benefits that have been coming with this ubi income for that place do you think that would be transferable to somewhere, uh, some places in the U.S.? 
Would it be only something on a small scale, or could it go to a larger scale? Oh, absolutely. I think that's transferable. Mm -hmm. uh, the uh, the amount. I mean, um, poverty and deprivation make all other problems worse. Um, and yes, they are a, a poverty and homelessness, especially, is a major cause of mental illness. It is true that some people are homeless because they're mental ill, mentally ill. But it's also very true that a lot of people are mentally ill because they're homeless or their mental illness gets worse because they're homeless. Growing up poor affects your mental health for your entire life. And it also, it creates crime. A lot of people are in prison today be, largely because they're, they're, they're uh, doing what they need to do to survive in a world where they, they can't find a job or don't have a job and aren't eligible for any programs. And they've got to end up breaking some rules just to just to keep themselves alive. Think simple things like uh, simple things like uh, trespassing um, and 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 petty theft can add up if you're if you're really uh, if you're really crowded. And also, people are filled with misdirected anger. Uh, that if uh, and especially men, you and I have to take this on. We've got we've got these hormones. That women don't have that make us more aggressive and when men are in difficult stressful situations they often lash out violently very often against women and children but also sometimes against against other men um, and and uh, so domestic abuse abuse of wives the abuse of children the abuse of uh, uh, the use of unmarried spouses um, is often stemming to the great stress of our economy that puts men in a position where they're afraid of losing their job or losing part of their income so they're not going to be able to provide and then they, they, they come full of stress then something else sets them off and they go and hurt people. That's something that men do and if we can make and we, we have it in our means to make the economy less stressful for everyone, but with of never having to fear that if I lose my job or have to quit my job because the boss is terrible, it doesn't mean I'm gonna be homeless or in poverty. We relieve this sense of stress and we get a less violent society. Yeah, I 100% agree with that. And even one of the points that you brought up in that debate that you had was with um, children. And when they grow up in poverty, they can't really focus on in school because of what's going on at home and going on around them. And then in turn, they don't get a good education, which then puts them in poverty even more. And the cycle keeps repeating and repeating. Mm. So I definitely agree that with the universal basic income, it could like counter this process. But just be implementing this and doing... Because there are so many case studies that show that UBI works. Especially with mm -hmm. some cases in Canada... Kenya and other places like we've mentioned I think that's a huge part of what needs to be seen and then probably the last question that I'm going to be asking again I appreciate everything that you've said thus far is going to be about where is it sorry <laughs> I'm just reading my paper no um, the benefits of UBI we've talked about how it can help the mental health it can help uh, people in several ways of getting better jobs. It can help them with welfare programs and encouraging them to do jobs. Is there anything else you would like to add about the benefits? 
Um, just stop judging, start helping. And when we do that, all of our problems will be easier to solve. We waste lots and lots of money by judging people, the money it takes to judge people. And then we make mistakes when we judge people. Um, we, we help people that we don't intend to help uh, by, but because they really shouldn't pass our systems. And then much more important, we do not help people that we should be helping. Uh, and, and so really every problem gets is much easier to solve if you just take the judgment out and start helping. Mm -hmm. Well, I guess I'll conclude our talk. I appreciate everything so much. Like as a college student, it's like really hard to reach out mm -hmm. to so many people, but yeah. thank you so much for accepting this invitation. And is there anything else you would like to say? You are welcome. No, nice. Nice meeting you, um, and as Swar Swaraj, is that how I say Yeah, Swaraj. Swaraj. Mm -hmm. Yeah, great to meet you, and uh, and good luck with your paper, and uh, I yeah, I hope it does well, and maybe you'll uh, maybe it'll be something that you can uh, you know uh, publish as an opinion piece somewhere or something. Mm -hmm. Yeah, thank you so much. I really appreciate everything. Thanks. Okay, have a great day. All right, you too. Bye. Okay, bye.